three, two, one. <clears throat> Welcome to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast that runs experiments, explores new ways of thinking, and talks to the most interesting people that I've met in my life. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Danny Mendoza, otherwise known as DJ. Danny Mendoza, right? I I, I got scared. Yeah, yeah. I Danny said Mendoza. your last name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who is DJ? DJ is a dear friend of mine. He is a person, one of the one of the first people I've met that is really, really into men's fashion. But like I'm talking about where it's he treats it like an art. It's pretty incredible. He is a stylist at Buck Mason. He is also an entrepreneur and the co-founder of a clothing company called uh, Salt. That's right. Salt Apparel. So, DJ, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, man. I, I, it's a really an honor for you having me on here. <laughs> I've been excited for this. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting in a hotel lobby, and uh, this is one of the first. So you're helping me experiment because I'm, I'm testing out. Like once I start interviewing more people in person. Yeah. I wanna. I don't have a studio right now, mm -hmm. so I need like a some place to do it and i thought hotel lobbies are a pretty cool place <laughs> yeah well i mean south congress hotel is a nice upgrade from like i don't know the steve jobs garage story you know mm, nice. yes yes yeah. i like it dude i wanted to start i wanted to ask you i was telling you about how i'm trying to ask better questions you know yeah. and uh i think this interview is how good this interview is based on really on the host uh, any interview and and the questions they ask and when I was thinking about you, I was had I was gonna start with a different question about your childhood, hmm. but we'll get to that later. It was gonna be about um, how you you were a, a chubby kid when you were younger. That's right, man. But very. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with when was the first time that you knew that you were like into fashion and that you really it was more you cared about not just what you wore, but you looked at it as an art or something. Mm -hmm. When was the first time you realized like, like, uh, yeah, clothing is something that I could possibly make a career out of. Dang. Well, there, I feel like there's been a lot of like pivot points in the journey of like me finding my style and that yeah. passion of mine. Um, luckily I had parents who were very like supportive of me like mm -hmm. looking good they always want to present me in the best light you know even to strangers and everyone so i kind of grew on that but that was still unconscious i think where my conscious and active effort to kind of look at my style and say this is how i want to present myself it started as early as like middle school really yeah dude i had um i had a mohawk and <laughs> like completely bald on the sides you know probably like at least four inches tall that i dyed seven different colors because i thought it looked cool and it was one of those things where it's like trial and error this color worked of course, it was eye grabbing, you know, but that was one of the first efforts where I'm like, this is a different look and I like it and I'm trying it out. Um, mm. Yeah. So then I went through high school kind of again, those <laughs> developmental years yeah, where you're making yeah. a lot of mistakes and a lot of those <laughs> were style mistakes, but I just wanted to find my groove. And finally, again, like how you mentioned, I was I was a heavier kid. So I cut the weight kind of like into my senior year of high school and I was lucky enough to start finding clothes that fit me a lot better. And once that happened, I was able to try more stuff on, try more uh -huh. looks out. And from there, I was like, man, this is making me feel incredible. I would love to mm. build on this and build more looks and potentially help other guys in similar situations just become their best selves through style. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I want to ask you about when you were doing the Mohawk, what was the, like, the goal? Why did you, was it that you just wanted to stand out or why did you do the Mohawk? I think, you know, I, I was talking about this with uh, my boss the other day. He was, I basically told him I thought it would look really cool when I took off my football helmet if I had this sick long mohawk. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Just kind of like an intimidating factor. But um, no, truthfully, I think, again, as like a heavier kid, like growing up, I wasn't a super social kid either. So I thought that little aspect of like attention helped me out. Mm -hmm. And then having a presence anywhere kind of helps you build yourself up in the on the inside as you're doing on the outside in that environment. Yeah. So I think that was kind of my solution to, this is like a hardcore effort to establish myself where I'm at while also testing the waters of what my style should be. Wow. And so you, you said you, you thought you would look badass. So you were going off to that feeling, right? Cause you, you said later on that once clothes started feeling you really good, 
I mean, really, they felt they fit you well. That you felt good. Was it? Uh, so were you chasing after that feeling of like feeling like a badass, feeling like who you wanted to be? Absolutely. Yeah, I think like that part of finding the style was just mm -hmm. me trying to reflect the person I was on the inside mm -hmm. and finally have that translate to the outside. So feeling like a badass, like I've always tried to have that energy and have that personality, you know what I mean? Yeah. And hopefully my friends can like attest to that. But um, yeah, when I, as soon as I got the ability to reflect that through my clothing, mm -hmm. then just things started lining up and that's where I was like, okay, this is, this is an art. This is, this is an art of my happiness personally. Mm. Yeah. What, what lessons did you learn from being a chubby kid? Because I myself was a chubby kid. Yeah. And my experience was that I, 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 did, I, I didn't like the way I looked. And I think that led to a lot of problems later on down the line. Because I, I, I think uh, I, I wasn't like really loving myself. I was actually, it, it started creating this problem where I was against myself. Yeah, you become like, your own enemy for sure. Yeah, it was like it's not that anybody really called me fat, like maybe once, mm -hmm. right? Like in, in elementary school, but it was me every day in my head calling myself fat. And yeah. I remember telling my mom, mom, I, I look fat in this shirt. And I was like, I was like uh, elementary school, like fourth grade, fifth grade. And my mom being the sweetest person in the world would help stretch my shirt. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause what bothered me was that, that it was so tight. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember that. And, and I look back and, and I'm just like, wow, my mom is incredible because she would try to do anything to make me feel like a, like a, like how I should, which is that I'm all good. Yeah. But how did it, how did it affect your life as a kid? So I, I think that like to my earliest memory, I started really kind of putting on weight because I think my grandma like just overfed me when I would go over it. But um, <laughs> so it was like the later you. years of elementary. So like third, fourth, fifth, I hit like a hundred and. 60 pounds as a fifth grader Whoa. so i was like a large kid um and for me yeah i wasn't really like aware of it mm -hmm. until the more developmental years like through middle school when people were a bit more harsh you know and that's when i really became my own enemy because i wasn't hearing like hey um you're a big kid every day you're fat yeah you know stuff like that so for me it was just like that feeling of like vulnerability when I wasn't, I guess in the mind, how do I explain it? Say the question again. Like yeah. The, like uh, what, what, how did it affect you as a kid? And, and I guess what I'm leading towards is like, how did that experience of, of being chubby later on affect you at right now as an adult? Mm -hmm. How has it like shaped your life? How has it changed your life? Okay. Yeah, that's good. Then I, I think, like being chubby as a kid kind of innately teaches humility mm. um, and kind of like an appreciation for progress for looks. You know, I just think it's a different angle when you grow up a bit more heavy, yeah. you're, you know, subject to more criticism on yeah. how you look, even from family, you know, from family. Mm. Like I had a super loving family and they were helpful, but of course there's going to be like those uncles and aunts who are kind of like, you know, tell you something yeah. about, you know, something hanging to the sides. So Even if they're just trying tight. to be loving and joking, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it hurts. Or it's yeah. just as a kid, you're like, fuck. I remember my grandma used to tell me that she had like a nickname for me in Spanish, like mi gordito. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I remember as like, I was eight or nine or 10. I know it was out of love, right? It was out of love. But I was like, I hated that because it was a reminder of like, like what I don't want to be. And you're yeah. telling me that I'm this and I'm like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. So I, I think it's both a pro and a con growing up like a bit heavier just because, you know, you find out sooner what you don't want to be. Mm. So yeah, that's where I think the humility comes in because you're working through, you're working behind this wall that you put up to try to hide the fact that Yo, I recognize that I am like a heavier kid, okay. but I'm going to develop myself personally so I feel comfortable in this skin until I have the opportunity to lose that weight and become the person I want to be. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, I haven't had this conversation with too many people, but I that'd be an interesting take, like how they felt, like how growing up heavy has affected them. Mm. But for me, it was just I had a chance to work on myself and grow some like characteristics around like humility and 
learning from others the way I wanted to look and trying to reflect that later. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And when did you, how did you start to lose weight? Was it always like a goal, a goal or was it only until after high school? It was, it was right at the end of high school. So I was like a football player. So I thought the weight was good. I never saw a problem. I oh, was really? Like, yeah. Because I always thought my weight was bad. Always. Mm. Even throughout high school. Yeah. So I guess that there was a difference between, you know, because I was so into sports, like heavy into sports where I saw my weight as an advantage in that realm. Oh. But when I step off the field, I want to look good and I want to feel good. Yeah. And the feeling I had on the field didn't translate to the feeling I had going to lunch with my family on a Saturday mm -hmm. or something like that. So, um, the, I guess the reason I started losing weight uh -huh. was because I had like ruptured my ankle playing football and that oh, actually shit. like ended my, my football career. And I put on a lot of weight after the surgery because I wasn't doing anything. I was, mm. I was rehabbing my ankle. I was on crutches, you know, for like four months at least. And I was like pushing 240 pounds as oh. like a 16, 17 year old. And at that point I was like, I'm not going to be able to do football anymore. And I look, you know, I'm, I'm a big dude, you know, and I'm not happy with myself. So that happened. And then my grandma had passed away from a lot of health issues because she was very, very overweight. And wow. like that, it was just the perfect formula to be like, okay, I need to get my ass in shape and be happy with my body. So then, yeah, like um, junior year of high school to senior year of high school, I lost like 20 pounds. And then... Whoa. That was, I was like 210 as a senior in high school. And then now I'm about like 175, 180, just Damn. fresh graduating college. So yeah, that's been the journey so far. A lot of motivation from just like health issues, just because of like family concerns, but yeah. also pursuing that best image of myself because I'm not that football player anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and like, I find it cool that, that as a football player, you were like the weight, this weight is good because I... I never found uh, anything to make me say that this weight is good until mm. now, actually, where I'm like, fuck, I got to gain weight. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I'm kind of in that reverse state now yeah. where I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thin, you know? Yeah. I like, yeah. I want to, I want to put on more muscle mass or. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I'm at where I'm like, yeah. fuck, I look too skinny now, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I see, I see it for what it is. It's kind of like, Oh, wait a minute. This is a, this might be a never ending cycle where if I'm not happy with how I look now, Cause I got to where uh, I wanted to be where 15 year old Caesar wanted to be where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And if I can't be happy just right now, cause it's 15 year old Caesar could have been happy. It's just that he never found the way to do it in his mind, which is why I find it so fascinating that you were okay with your weight during the, in the football field, because it's all about perspective. You know, it's all about what is good and bad or bad. Mm -hmm. It depends on how you look at it. And uh, you know, I, I like I love this app. It's called the the Waking Up app by Sam Harris, and he has these moments every day where it just randomly you get a notification and you click on the moment and it's sixty seconds about some thought experiment. Like he'll give give you something to think about. Okay. And yeah. yesterday's was it was can you recognize that a lot of the things you had right now at one point in your life you wished you had. Absolutely. And can you recognize that the goal, the goalpost has moved ever since you wanted those things? You would have loved to have a lot of the things you have right now. But a lot of us are still unhappy right now because we we don't even see how we're constantly moving the goalpost. And he gives you he invites you. So I invite you to possibly find a way to be happy with where you are right now. And um I just think that's so important to live like a funner, happier life. Like it doesn't mean you have to kill mm -hmm. all ambition, right? But I think you can be both ambitious and be okay and be happy. A hundred percent. Yeah. I definitely tried to model my being around anyone after that, you know, like yeah. I want to live in the moment and be very happy with what I have. Cause like, yeah, reflecting, you know, high school, me looking back on, you know, you know, UT graduate, I'm a stylist. I I'm working on a startup it's it's the dream you know but mm. once you stretch those goals out and you create more goals for yourself 
you can still be happy but you can be ambitious as long as you're not obsessive about the future and you're very happy with the present i feel like that's the formula for like a happy person that's the state i try to live in all the time you know always reaching for more but right now i'm super satisfied with the people around me and just like the potential for growth ahead of me you know Mm. So if you're if you let's say you had the opportunity to talk to that DJ who had just ruptured his what was it your ACL or something mm-hmm. on your ankle and he's so unhappy with the way he looks what advice do you give him like you're 240 pounds you're not in football anymore you're still in high school what advice of any it doesn't have to be around your weight it could be just any life advice what do you give what do you tell him I love it this is one of my favorite exercises to do for myself I think I love this question. It's such a hard answer for me because I question, would I want to change that younger DJ's trajectory Mm. at all? Even if it's like, give him a tidbit that helps me now, Mm. give it to him earlier, where he kind of decides, I'm going to try fashion a little bit harder sooner. Like, I think the path that I'm on is is pretty good. Mm. And um, I'm happy with that. But I think one of the more important things that I would have told myself is... um, you should value your image more than you should think about others valuing your image because your happiness shouldn't be on the thought of others and their perspective of your image. It should be how you look at yourself in the mirror. Mm. And I feel like some of the motivation to start losing weight besides like the health was obviously like other people will like me more if I'm, if I'm thinner, you know, and that translated very realistically because senior year when I lost the weight, Uh you know, I was able to, I guess, how do I say, like become more social because I was accepted into more groups because I lost the weight and because I was becoming more confident. Um, I won homecoming king, random as hell. You know, like I wasn't a popular dude at all. But um, do you think that is because other people began to accept you you more because you allowed yourself to be more confident, be more talkative and you had the confidence to be like, no, I look good now. And like, you know, do you think it really was other people's changing or, or are you, you changing your mind about yourself? I think it's like a domino effect. As soon as I was able to change my mind on myself, mm. I was able to project myself the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And that reflected well on other people to put me in that situation, mm. you know, to win Homecoming King and be um, someone acknowledged in that space. But mm. that wasn't necessarily an immediate you know, priority for me to be acknowledged in that space. But just like I was saying with the Mohawk, yes, it was, you know, and it's just yeah. that unconscious effort to always strive for that image type of thing. Yeah. Okay. So you become homecoming queen and you graduate high school. Do you have like a plan? You're like, I know I'm going to start a clothing company called Salt. <laughs> like this is, let's go to college. Let's go to UT. What what was, uh, where was your head at? What, what did you think you were going to do? And... What did you do? I mean, at the end of senior year, um, I was just like ecstatic that I got into UT because I was the first person in like my entire family extended as well to go to, you know, higher level education. And I thought UT was amazing. You know, in my high school, I was the only person in my class to go to UT. Whoa. Um, So that alone felt like such an achievement. I think I kind of took a step back and was like, I'm ready to go to college. And that was about it, you know? So, um, Mm. and I don't want to undervalue that because I think someone getting into college is like amazing. It really is, you know? So my plan after high school was love my girlfriend at the time because that's a young dude's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) priority. It's like, you know, I'm going to marry this chick. Oh yeah, (laughs) dude. It's terrible. (laughs) You're going to marry this girl. (laughs) Same. I had the same, same thought. Not really at the end of high school. I was like, I don't know about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one. And yeah, going into college, it was very much still a developmental time where I still needed to find myself. Like it was no longer a want. It was like a need. Mm. A need to find what? Yourself, like what you wanted to do and like what you were interested in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like I went and I was very like closed off Mm -hmm. because, again, I was the only person from my high school to go to UT that year. So I was very to myself and I didn't know anybody at Austin. So I I was kind of prepping myself to network and, you know, get a friend group. But I didn't put myself in the position to because I'm still a reserved person, you know, and that goes back more 
um, even though I'm working on my image and myself, like just like you said, where you're chasing that extended goalpost, mm -hmm. I was still doing that. Yeah. So I always feel like I need to be there to then network well. But that was not the case. But ah um, yes. But yeah. This yeah, is so. interesting. Uh, uh, just be careful with the, that button. If you oh, put it yeah. down, it turns off. But you know, you said I have to be there in order to do this. This is interesting because this is a thing that I still face to this day. But I'm starting to recognize maybe I think it's bullshit because I'm thinking like for this podcast, there's some guests that I want to get on, right? Mm -hmm. And for some of these guests, they're more famous and more well-known. And I'm thinking, no, 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 I have to interview a few more professors. I need to be on this level. Then I could reach out to them. But then I've done that all my life. Yeah. And I don't think it's really served me well. I think the times that have been better when I've, when, when, when I've done like amazing things, that's when I've kind of said, um, intentionally i've kind of been like okay I've, I've looked at the pros and the cons and i'm i've kind of taken a leap where i'm like if this doesn't work out i mean nothing really bad happens but if it works out oof, oof, yeah, this is gonna absolutely. be fun um so my question is is are, do you still face that do you still face the right now like where you're like i need to be there in order to do that yeah you know whether it be experience or style or networking with a certain group of people yeah. that I want to, you know, social myself with, I think, I think life should be lived through progression in baby steps. Right. Mm. But I think both myself and others fail to notice that a big leap isn't reaching out to that, you know, really famous person for the podcast or me reaching out to a higher level, you know, entrepreneur for help. It's literally sending that first email yeah. and waiting. Those are the baby steps to take to then reach that big step. So that big step, is condensed into these baby steps, but it's really just the bravery and confidence to establish yourself as why shouldn't I be, you know, qualified to make this move? Mm. And then you make the move, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of what, what McConaughey says, less impressed, more involved. Because <laughs> he talks about how, you know, when something good happens, you're like, oh, unbelievable. Yeah. And he's like, believe it. It just happened. Yeah. Don't be impressed about it. You just did it. Just get more involved. Mm-hmm cool how do you uh how do you come so that's how you combat that right you do you take it as baby steps you like yeah. to break shit down mm -hmm. you read the book atomic habits right yeah, i did what you get it from that book did you get anything from that book did you learn anything did it change it the yeah. way you think and and it's it's this quote will just kind of really stick with me i can't i can't say it like verbatim but definitely paraphrasing um just like it's kind of like the metaphor of like chopping down a tree, but it was talking about like cutting a stone. Oh yeah. You know, it can take a hundred hits to crack a stone and on the hundred and first hit is when it'll crack. Oh. But it's not that hundred and first hit that cracks the stone. It's all the hundred before that to get that first crack. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just um, persistence in what you're doing and taking those baby steps, those a hundred hits to get a result you want. You know, and if that result is a crack in a stone or getting someone on your podcast yeah, or, you know, me talking to someone I admire who I think is untouchable, that those things yield better results. Mm. Just like persistence in what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. I was, you know, so after four years of college, you've came in with no friends, right? You didn't know anybody here. No one, yeah. You tried a bunch of stuff. I'm sure you, you, you did all sorts of stuff to meet people. Four years later. Now you kind of have a little bit of a formula. What's your formula for like, if I throw you into another university where you don't know anyone, what do you start to do to, um, to meet new people? I'm just kind of like taking off that, you know, protective layer I had and being fearless and throwing myself and completely myself into different areas. Like I would have immediately joined more orgs and I would have mm. challenged myself more by doing leadership in those orgs, mm. you know, even socials. Like, um, I met some people through like Longhorn Salsa in, in like my, yeah, you're talking social organizations, kind of yeah. like not just professional organizations. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, as much as I could have fit on my plate, I, I would have, and I should have done mm. like, yeah, I, I wish I, had done that sooner because once I did my junior senior year of college yeah and I, so I graduated a semester late so that kind of gave me even more time to network in that setting but as soon as I did throw myself to the lions 
and join those orgs and try to take leadership positions, I saw my network kind of grow around me. And not only were they resources for me, but I became a resource for them. And as soon as that happens, you build those connections and you find, you know, a friend who wants to start, have a startup with you, start Mm -hmm. an apparel line with you. You find friends who refer you to be a stylist at Buck Mason on the best street in Austin. Mm. You know, literally through those four and a half years, I wouldn't be where I am today without meeting those people, you know, in the first place. Hmm. What are, what are like the organizations that you got most involved with at UT? See, and I think it's funny to reflect because I think my definition of being most involved was like going to meetings, you know? Yeah. And that's one of my regrets. I wish I really got myself intertwined with like some of the better orgs that I was with. So um, initially it was Longhorn Salsa through some friends. Mm. Um, I got tied up with like a fraternity actually early in my freshman year (laughs) because they helped me like um, acclimate to UT, but Mm. I decided not to join, but I met really good people through that. And um, um, HBSA, that's Hispanic Business Students Association. Yeah then man those people are really on it like they're they're really hard workers and they were just the people that i wanted to be like you know but again since i was not a business major you know i was in liberal arts i was hesitant to join their crew you know Mm. like be a part of them um and then luckily my friend javi shadow javi he works at nike he's a great guy amazing guy one of the best people i know um he was president of an oregon campus called hispanic association for computer scientists and I was kind of in and out of that one. And again, I was so in admiration of these people's goals and their capabilities, you know, on the technical side, I wanted to surround myself around them. But then again, I reflect that those orgs that I was in is mostly like in a Latin setting, you know, Hispanics yeah. or Latins, just like um, the dance orgs, the business orgs, the social orgs. So I still found comfort in what I was joining or like joining, I mean, and I didn't expand those boundaries more when I should have. Mm, like but. you felt you felt comfortable just being around uh, I guess kind of because growing up in El Paso, it's like 90% Hispanic, yeah. 90% Latino. Yeah. So you found comfort in like I can I can see that because I think I was similar. And wow, man, but it's kind of hard. It's it's when you're in it, it's kind of scary to go to like like a new organization where you're the minority, right? If you haven't been the minority for your entire life. Yeah. And that's not even like minority by race. It's literally like minority by knowing how new people. you are showing yeah. up. You by know knowing I mean? like, you don't know anyone and yeah. everybody seems to already be best friends and you're yes. like, huh? Yes. And what, that, that's such a hurdle. That's such a hurdle. What do you do to combat that hurdle? If I have, uh-huh. that's, that's good. I, I think go, go ahead and ask. I think it might help me with my answer. Like, well, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, what do you do to combat that hurdle? Because, it's weird. I remember wanting to join Asian Business Student Association yeah. in on campus for several reasons. <laughs> Some personal. Because <laughs> I just I have a fondness. <laughs> um, but for, for Asian women, <laughs> what am I going to say? That's fair. That's fair. We all have our names. I just think some Asian, oh my God, I, I don't know, which is, might have been the reason why I studied so much in in Asia, but <laughs> I remember going to that org and like wanting to be a part of it, but it's feeling that like oh, I'm brand new, everybody seems to know each other, and I look different. But it's and and I kind of just fell off. I went in one meeting and then I didn't go again. Mm. And I think it was a matter of consistency. But when I studied abroad in Thailand, you know, I'm gonna be there for six months, and it's the same thing, same deal. I'm a brand new student. Um, I know absolutely no one. Yeah, you're but not for, only in a new org, you're in a new country. Yeah, <laughs> but for some reason, it was so easy over there. Hmm. It was so easy. And I think because my perspective was like, I'm valuable. My perspective was like, I'm exotic. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm hmm. from the United States of America and I'm Latino. I look <laughs> I look exotic. Like you got to talk to me. Like uh, and so I started I would talk to everyone because I I had this mentality of like I am from a different culture, you're from a different culture and by talking to me and by us talking we're going to just learn so much 
from each other. And I think I could have had that mentality at UT, but like all I felt was I'm just another UT student. And as I'm talking mm. to you, I'm realizing like, wow, that is crazy because I've never put it into words like this. And it's, it was just my perspective at UT. I just remember any organization I joined, I just remember telling myself, you're not special. You're just yeah. another UT yeah. student. Like, how do you, how do you have that experience that you had overseas translate to giving yourself value in college so you can put yourself in positions to network in those organizations? Like, how do you give yourself that value? So what do you, what do you uh, expand on your question? You're asking me a question, right? Or no? Yeah. Like, like, how do you think you could best uh -huh. give yourself the value that you felt in Thailand, uh -huh. right? How you were the yes. exotic, you gave yourself yeah. that value. Okay to give yourself the confidence to talk to everyone, how would you suggest, you know, a freshman going into UT, give himself that value? Yeah. Look, this is something that I realized only recently, but it is becoming your biggest supporter and your biggest cheerleader. Although it means that seems kind of selfish. It seems kind of like, oh, you should be doing stuff for other people. But any self-help book you read, I mean, they, they all pretty much start off with like, you, you got to believe in yourself, right? Yeah. And, and like for me, I've read a lot of self-help help books and I've been like, ah, whatever. But it wasn't only, it was like uh, earlier this year that I started to realize that I started to practice uh, through habits. I started building this habit of every morning, every night, every in the middle of the day, reading this like kind of affirmation. My my uh, my idea was I'm going to brainwash myself to be on my side because I realized I was always mm. against me. And I called it my I love you, I love myself system. Because I, my theory was like, or my hypothesis was that if I could be my biggest supporter, no matter what I did, no matter if I fucked up, like I would still be able to, it wouldn't matter. It would be a non-factor if I fucked up because I would still be on my side. And so for somebody mm -hmm. coming in as a freshman, I think priority number one is to find a way to become your biggest supporter. And, and, it, it, and you can't just think it once. Like you have to start doing shit, whether it's start doing shit that you feel like you are the person that you want to be, whether it's working out, join a sport. You know, for me, learn how to dance, mm -hmm. start facing fears, start doing shit that is super easy every day because it's the you got to build the habit, right? And you got to make it super easy every day, but you got to do it every day. Um, approach one person, um, make it easier than that. Uh, it, it's a habit. You have to form a habit where you start to see the value in yourself. And you got to constantly remind yourself that you are valuable because everyone is doing that, which is uh, what you're doing. That everyone doesn't look at themselves as valuable. And the people mm -hmm. that you see rise to the top are the people that are like, they they're like i'm the best i can do like i can do this shit and sometimes you get a little too cocky and you go off the other end right and you you you, you become too overconfident which i think there's danger in that as well but um if you don't believe in yourself like that if you don't tell yourself that you you are your biggest cheerleader that no matter what you support yourself then you are not gonna i mean you're gonna you're gonna stop yourself from going through a lot of doors that would lead to big opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long-winded answer to your question. No, that was perfect. I mean, I mean like you know, if if you can't find value in yourself because if you feel like you can't bring skills to the table, yeah. You know, find some skills, develop some skills within yourself yeah. and add that value to yourself, you know, so you can be confident in saying I bring something to the table. Mm. And by doing that, that's when you get yourself into these uncomfortable situations that just yield growth after that you know yeah yeah i call these uncomfortable situations like leaps of faith because they remind me of the when i was a uh, in south africa about a bungee jump i told myself mm. all right Caesar, you gotta jump because this is you becoming a billionaire you gotta you gotta jump and so all i was thinking i was so hyped bro and i was like fuck it and i <laughs> jump <laughs> as soon as you jump bro it's like a primal instinct takes over and just fear like because you're falling oh yeah you're falling, you're falling off a ridge <laughs> <laughs> but i remember being so confident up to the point to where i i just jump and then my primal instinct was like <gasps> oh my god but it, it, it remind, i remind myself when i'm like 
whatever fear comes up, approach a girl, um, talk to somebody who is famous or email somebody and it's like, take the leap, take the leap, bitch, take yeah. the leap, take the leap. Um, I was going to, I was going to ask you, how did you take the leap of starting your, your company salt? I think the first step I did was the realization that I can no longer be petrified and super afraid of failure. Mm. Um, I didn't even know my business partner that well. You know, he was a guy I had calculus one my freshman year. Wow. When I was super reserved and we talked very little. And, you know, he fortunately reached out to me, which I literally appreciate so much. I just had so much doubt, so much doubt and so many questions when I just said, look, all this doubt and questions isn't getting me anywhere. Failure will get me a better place than me questioning my abilities to contribute to this startup, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just me tossing fear and doubt to the side and say, let me take on this project. And if it fails, I will learn the most I'll ever learn through any class that I took at UT or any other smaller mistake. Like this is what I want to do. So why not start early? You know, I started when I was, you know, 22 years old, working with my business partner. Yeah. Um, um, almost a year ago now yeah. that we started meeting up. But yeah, just just tossing fear to the side and saying, "This is what I want to do. I'm going to put myself in the position to try to make it successful. And if it's not, I fail, I learn, and I move on." You know. Mm. And that's how I think. I think what you're saying is, like, what you're saying is, be your biggest supporter for that to happen. Yeah. You need to support yourself through the failures. And notice that failures are going to be okay, you know? Yeah. Where did you learn to tell yourself the the, the part where you said, I'm going to, I would learn a lot even if this fails? Because I think that's, I didn't learn that until much later or mm -hmm. like too recently. Where did you learn to think of it that way? Where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm going to do this. And, and you're not even thinking like, you're thinking perhaps this is going to succeed, but you're also looking at it the other way, which I think is so important that, that I've, I would, I would still win even if like, if I quote unquote lose. Like if it goes under. Yeah. yeah. How did you think about that? Cause nobody, not a lot of people think about that. Like, I don't think it was a, a, a flip of a switch or me reading a book or something like that. That uh -huh. definitely didn't do it. Um, for me kind of getting into that mindset took me going through this abstract major at UT and not having a linear ascension to a career that I wanted, especially. Mm. Um, I studied human dimensions of organizations, which is basically like- What is that? Exactly. Human dimensions of organizations? Yeah, it, it's kind of like um, social and managerial sciences tied in with a bit more business mm. and a bit more like psychology on that side okay. of like um, the human side, you know? So it's pretty abstract and it's funny. The, the deal with that major is like, you make it what you want to. And I'm like, dude, I'm a broke college kid. I need money. Like that, it needs to be something, you know, cemented. But then I like realized- Like they told you, you make this whatever you want, want to make it. That's what they tell you? Yeah. Like, it, 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 <laughs> what? like the definition, like, like HDO is what you want it to be. Well, that's pretty cool in yeah. some sense. No, there's, there's a lot of cool to like my yeah. major. I love my major, the people in it. It's just, we're- a bit of like the black sheep you know what i mean we don't have that direction just yet so they gave us the flexibility and the different classes to take to find that direction mm. you know and for me it was you know the creative side you know marketing and sales and networking and being an entrepreneur and that just backed my passion for you know men's fashion and menswear yeah so my thing with finding how this failure will be a lesson rather than a setback. Yeah. It was literally just, I want to be way up here in the menswear line or in the menswear, mm -hmm. you know, realm. This is what I want to do with my life. This is what's going to make me most happy is projecting that feeling of these guys can feel the best that they can possibly feel. I want to help them with that. That realization of for me to get there, I have to fail in this a lot of times. Wow. So look for those opportunities to fail because when it's a success, it's going to feel so much better and it's going to build you more, you know? So right now with, you know, being a stylist, I'm going to try to be the youngest manager in, you know, the company's history, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm meeting awesome people already through that, um, 
through that business. And then with the startup, you know, really got to bust my ass and try to make it work. And if I bust my ass and it fails, at least I busted my ass and I learned something, you know? Wow. Yeah. So it's just because I didn't have a direct path to success through my major. And that that's not for everyone. That's just me, you know, subjective to my passions. Because I didn't have a direct path, I need to create mine. And that is literally through failure, you know? What do you mean that's literally failure? Like through those experiences of failure, you need to take that to your advantage and leverage those failures into your next project and just keep growing and applying those lessons. And that's literally like how you fill those holes to make yeah. something successful. Wow. I mean, I think there's a lot of benefit to having that kind of a, like freedom in a major because that means mm. as you're going throughout it in college, you can kind of change or figure out what you want to do versus like if you've already chosen a major and halfway through you don't re you realize I don't really care about any of this. It's like, oh man, yeah, you either got to start over or you got to, you just keep going. But I really like your relationship with failure, man, because I was a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Even right now I'm starting to like, I'm, I'm letting that go. Because perfectionism just kills your ability to allow yourself to fail. And yeah. it's kind of like you, you're allergic to failure. You're like, I don't want to, you're scared of doing anything that might fail because you want to be perfect. And I was always a, a straight A student. Were you a straight A student? Yeah, for the most part, definitely. Wow. And, and you didn't think I have to get all A's in everything in life. No, I mean, and that kind of changed in college, you know, where, you know, that pursuit of perfection just became realistic where through those failures I'm learning more than through getting an A you know I I think I think I just found myself more that way through college hmm. yeah. was there any failures early in college uh, or in high school that may, made you see that I, I know I feel like do you feel like I'm asking the same question over and over again no because okay. I mean and I'm I'm barely getting comfortable with the idea of failure uh -huh. you know I Reflecting now, I think I have a lot of stories of failure that have, you know, built the story of where I am now, mm -hmm. you know, um, but early on, were there like when in late high school, early college, were there any failures that you were like, oh, this was more value. This was valuable, even though I failed. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, applying to college, I applied on the very last day that you could apply to go to college, uh -huh. which was which was dumb. It, it, like that was just dumb because I left it, you know, to the very end. Um, I didn't get into the Macomb School business, which I had been wanting to get mm. into literally the four years of high school. Uh, I tried to apply to Macomb's twice. Yeah. And my GPA was just kind of like lowering here and there. And I got denied twice, you know, so I went economics. I hated economics and I switched it. There was just so much change where things felt like they were not going my way, but I just trusted that these things are happening for a reason and I'm going to just work hard until I'm in a position to have that flexibility to change and do what I want to do. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, man. So I'm, I'm looking back at, at, at my failures. That's, that's so awesome that you have that relationship with failure. Yeah. And it's so new too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely still working on that because, um, I noticed like I'm still afraid of failure in a lot of situations because of the school system. You know what I mean? Like, especially mm -hmm. because of the school system, people are afraid of failure, but you know, professional growth and what I want to do at least just takes a lot of failure. And you say you want to be at the top of a uh, fashion or men's fashion. What do you want to do? What, what is the ultimate, like, uh, what do you see as the top being? I know the top is like endless. So even if you get to the top, there's still more to go. Right. But yeah. Where do you see yourself going or wanting to be in the in men's fashion? Yeah, so like like you're saying, like it's an endless kind of pursuit. So I can't really put like a title to something. Yeah. But if I just had a general objective of what I'm doing with my life and what would make me happy in menswear and fashion in general, mm -hmm. it would be the moment that I started getting more confidence in how I looked. I want to recreate that. For guys who mm. seek that out you know my life drastically improved when i started you know noticing the more i dress well the more i act like myself the more i act like myself the more happier i am 
you know? Mm. So I just want to recreate that for as many guys as possible, whether that be, you know, being the head of an apparel line where they wear the apparel or being a personal stylist. Yeah. It's just me wanting to recreate that feeling of I am my best version of myself today and every day I can do this. That's cool. Yeah. Were your parents always supportive of what you wanted to do? Yes. Yes. I, I, I genuinely believe I have the best mother and father pairing in the world. They, yeah, they were just so supportive of anything that I set my mind to. And they really question it. You know, of course, they're concerned with my success. But since a very, very young age, whether it be with style, with sports, you know, trying a bunch of new stuff, yeah. they were always they were always behind me. And that's definitely a privilege that I had growing up, you know, to be in the position I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to ask a, a question that's going to take us to a different place. But have you ever yeah. traveled outside of the country? No, man. You haven't? Yeah, that is my next step of development there. Cause where do you yeah. where do you do you have a a country that you want to go to that's kind of calling you? I think um, <laughs> that's funny. I I think because culture chasing is fun. I I cannot wait to go to Europe and experience all these different yeah. cultures. But for some reason, I've always wanted to go to Iceland just because of its mm. natural beauty. And, um, you know, I've been trying some like psychedelics and stuff like that. Yeah. So that experience where you just really, you know, dissect your mind a bit more. Mm -hmm. It just seems like that and that will pair up beautifully where I'm in this amazing place and I can find myself through nature a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, um, Iceland has been. The place I, w- I would have thought. Do they have good fashion there? <laughs> I would have thought you wanted to go to like some, some country with I don't know. I don't know anything about fashion. I think all countries probably have some <laughs> very yeah, fashionable but people. Like, like um, you know, Napoli, you know, beauty. Italy, Spain, yeah. where where fashion is like <laughs> a need. You know, even New York. You yeah. know, where 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 fashion basically runs the city. Um, no, I I I think. And that's where I think you find a good balance with the pursuit of perfection mm-hmm. versus being okay with who you are and what you are. You need those experience outside of your passions to round yourself out mm. because you you might say, you know, this pursuit of perfection and working super hard on an image is kind of ironic for wanting to be a stylist. Like um, being okay with your imperfections and being okay with failure versus always trying to produce this, you know, perfect image. Mm. It, it's just like it, it's just an imbalance so i think those outside experiences like if i were to go to iceland and have that it would it just it just like rounds me out and it takes my mind off yeah of definitely chasing perfection through an image you know the cool thing is you don't know what you're gonna find out there yeah it's like we're just talking about it as in like you want to go because because there's beauty out there but you don't know who you're gonna meet and what they're gonna tell you and how that's gonna affect your life right because we said the top is an endless you never get to the top right mm-hmm. and just like Perhaps you think fashion right now is is your passion. Maybe it's one of them, mm-hmm. but maybe you find the next one in Iceland just waiting for you. This is the awesome thing about travel. My God, do you think in in a in a year where do you think you'll be? Where do you see yourself being uh, physically, like location wise? Mm-hmm. Um. So I'd I'd still obviously like I want to stay in the States just because there's just mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, flexibility and freedom, you know, as a citizen in the States. Um, I really want to relocate to another um, bigger city, kind of similar to Austin, but just so I can like expand those boundaries and literally just go Boston, New York, Scottsdale, Miami, Atlanta, you know, big cities where... I can kind of start developing and finding myself more, mm. not not necessarily like looking for something in particular or going for a reason, but just going for that imaginative chase of what could be, you know? Ooh, yeah. what could be like what 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 could be in in what? In- Whether it be finding motivation for the next step in, you know, my apparel line, or okay. finding motivation for the next step to be, you know creative director of something else or like even finding the love of my life in a random city you know it's just (laughs) it's just exciting it's just exciting i think you know you have to live life for the best life to happen around you you can't like pursue a certain aspect of life you just have to be in it Mm -hmm. you know like you can't i don't think you can 
be actively like seeking out a, a girl, for instance, and something like really good will kind of come your way. You just have to be in life for those things to come to you. Like lit, you got to be so focused on what you're doing. Like you got to you got to find your flow kind of where you're like for you, you're working on you're being a stylist, you're working on your company. Mm-hmm. And from that, you end up meeting new business partners. And like you said, maybe this girl, right, or, or a girl maybe comes along. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because I was talking to my friend Jesus Macias, who owns a, a business out in uh, Salt Lake City. And he was telling me that the way he meets people is just through his business. Like, really? That guy is so focused on his business. That guy is like an extremist. And he's all in, 100% in mm-hmm. on his uh, <laughs> on his uh, um, business. I laugh because I was thinking of, how he was describing it he was like I'm, ex- I'm an extremist in everything man even in like gambling which is why i have to stay away from it i have this thing where i say uh broke money don't make money <laughs> and i'm like holy shit <laughs> broke money don't make money caesar <laughs> that's a new one that's a new one for me that's <laughs> um but i was talking about him because uh why was I talking about? Oh, because of the, how he meets people. Yeah. Yeah. He only meets people through his business because mm-hmm. that's all literally like breathes that eats, sleeps and breathes that literally, man. Like I'm not, I'm not talking like, Oh, like, uh, it's just, I'm not being like, I'm not, I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal. Like he, that's the type of guy he is. And so I asked him, how did you meet your mentor? Cause his mentor is like a millionaire. And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, through my business, man, everything through my business. And, uh, it made me question, huh? Cause I, you know what I felt in college, mm. man? I felt like I was at too many places at once. And you know, I, I know you were talking about how you're talking about try a lot of things, right? Try yeah. a lot of things. And my, I think my issue was that I wanted to do everything and I never got deep in anything. And I, it was weird because even throughout college, I had heard, don't try to do everything and not get deep in anything. It was just, I wanted to do dancing. I wanted to do rowing. I wanted to do, I want to meet new people. But it's just like I never, I just thought about it a lot. And perhaps I dipped my toe in one thing, but I didn't get as deep as you did in perhaps like HBSA. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to bring it back to the point of like getting deeper in one thing kind of leads to everything else that you want. You don't have to try to get everything at the same time. You know what I mean? You kind of have to just find one thing that like you really, really like. And then from there, you'll meet the new people. You'll find new passions. Um, so, man, I respect the, that you have this business and I respect how deep you're going into fashion. And it uh, it motivates me to go deeper into podcasting and mm. really I'm, I'm trying to find the where's the one art where I can be really good. I think it might be podcasting. It might be just talking to people. Don't know. Hmm. Um. I was going to ask you, I have some like rapid fire questions, some questions that are like, that I stole from Tim Ferriss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like a kind time of, limit to answer? No, there's no time limit. Okay. They're supposed yeah. to be like random and kind of quicker to answer. Um, and I try to come up with my own, but I think so far they're eh. Like I've been asking this one of, uh, do you have a, an app on your phone that brings you a lot of joy? Or what is the app on the fo- on your phone that brings you the the most joy? Hmm. I'm trying to think like what I'm on the most. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be. The answer could be no. Yeah, uh, no, no. There, there's definitely an app, and I, I'm kind of honestly, I'm up between like Instagram because, like, I I love my friends and I like seeing people projecting mm-hmm. themselves in the best way and like being happy. Um, but I know like the social media culture can kind of be a bit toxic because that image portrayed might not always be real, which is why on my Instagram, at least I always try to be as genuine as I can and just, you know, tell everybody the truth. You know, I told people my senior year, I, t- I changed my major, my senior year if, of college, you know, mm. and I was like so unfiltered about it because this is my journey. This is my decision and this is going to grow me. You know what I mean? But, yeah. um, so I, I understand like the backside of like social media. So honestly, honestly, I love YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube because mm-hmm. if I need a laugh, I'll find it like this. You know, I find it super quick. And if I need tips on how to run stronger Google ads, if I need tips on how to style um, 
different color lapels on my suit. Yeah. You know, there's just, it's just a resource that I love to go to for anything I need. Yeah. That, that That's cool because that was going to lead to my next question of like, how do you, what's your favorite way to learn something? Is it through videos, books, uh, audio books, in-person training, teachers? What's your favorite method for learning? Definitely like in person. In person? Yeah. If not one-on-one, I like the intimacy of like learning in a in-person setting is like I think the easiest way to learn for myself because I just think that shows a bit more care a bit more like thoroughness in what they're showing you and what they're teaching you yeah if we were to take away in person and you had to learn it on your own what would be your what's like what is the best method for you to learn see I I think I'm a bit of an impatient person, so I couldn't honestly say books. Like yeah. I think books have like a lot of value, but I don't find myself sitting down and mm-hmm. reading a ton of books. So yeah. I would kind of go to like that video format, you know, an online training where this person has their formula. They're going to show it to you and you try it out. If you like it or if you don't, like you just move on to the next one, you know. Is, is that the way you test, uh, you vet someone? Like you try it out? If like, Because my question with a YouTube video is like always, how do I know I can trust you? But for yeah. the, it should be the same thing with a book, right? But for some reason, I feel yeah, like I can trust yeah. them more with the book. But no, it's not true. How do you, and you vet someone by testing their stuff out? Yeah, and I, I mean, so since high school, I watched this YouTuber named um, Alpha M, Aaron uh-huh. Marino. He is from Atlanta, Georgia, and he is a stylist. He's a former bodybuilder. Really interesting guy. Now he owns like his own hair salon in Atlanta, one of like the nicest ones. And I followed his stories since like my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, like what's the credibility of this person? You yeah. know, besides a following, like why should yeah. I trust this person? Um, and he just showed me the foundations of style. What matches with what? What looks good? I tried stuff out. Some stuff I didn't like, some stuff I did. And I just kept following his story. So something like that is where I learned a bunch from him. But now I haven't watched one of his videos in, in like a year or two because mm. I feel what I have gotten from him, I've taken and I've grown. And with the things that I'm growing, now I'm looking to different resources and learning how to, you know, build more of a wardrobe or how to build, you know, a community like he did on social media. It's just like, it, it just branches out to so much more, you know? Mm-hmm. So that first step of like opening that book or watching that first video, I think there's just like a parallel between those. That's dope. Yeah. What do you tell someone when they, they're like, DJ, I love the way you dress and I want to dress better. How do I start? Do you point them to that guy, Alex M? Listen, watch this video, watch his videos or what do you tell them? I, I, I definitely used to point them to Alpha M a lot mm-hmm. because he was, he was a very like foundational wardrobe. That's where you get started. But again, now, since I feel like I've adopted the strong points of what he does, I'm going to say, I think this is a good start to a wardrobe. You know what I mean? stuff that fits you is going to be your best place to start you know pattern and and you know i don't know how do i say like like patterns and different cuts of things like it's literally just how stuff fits you like that's what i would say but Mm. yeah i don't i don't necessarily know if i would reference him anymore at least immediately yeah Mm. what is the habit that you picked up in college that really changed your life or it could be several, but habits that you didn't have before. Scheduling. Scheduling. And like living off of uh, either a like physical calendar or a Google calendar online. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just developing that habit and kind of structuring out my day just made me a more productive person. And I'm, and I'm sure that that's literally the story for anyone who lives off of a calendar and like a, a daily task sheet basically. But yeah, the importance of that is is insane. How do you schedule stuff? Uh, both of these. How do you? Which what do you use right now? Like a paper, or do you use a Google Calendar to schedule like over the long term, or like a week or a month? You use what do you use? If yeah, so I'll use like like um, Google Calendar for mm-hmm. like more long term, and then I like to break down my days. Literally as easy as like going through my like notes on my phone uh-huh. and just kind of setting up like checkpoints of like this needs to get done today and i'll put them in like an order of how i'd like to do them and just knock them out like that but so i don't have like a super formal system yeah but um 
yeah so for like big dates and like upcoming things that i need to do mm-hmm. i'll have a google calendar and i have like a calendar like expo marker calendar in my room mm. um but yeah besides that the daily stuff is just thrown on my phone when do you you just uh, you do it the night before when do you write it i'm interested because i'm trying to learn how to do this like set my daily tasks i'm pretty good mm-hmm. at planning a week but when it gets down to like one day what am i going to do in one day for some reason i find that hard hmm. i think when you wake up you have different priorities than you do the night before when you go to sleep yeah so when i wake up i try to wake up drink water prep myself for the gym and then head out to the gym right yeah and everyone rests during the gym but i just know one way i need to start my day is drinking water and going to the gym so that's like cemented in my schedule so um when i'm at the gym during like the break times of like reps and break times of sets and stuff like that i'll kind of write out i need to do this i need to do this i need to do this Mm. and i'll just like order them you know it's not super time consuming because you're already doing something you needed to do and for me that's just like while i'm at the gym yeah you know some people start their day reading a book which i want to pick up too some people you know start their day with like a meditation which is super healthy too of of course people have like their variations of how to how to start their day but i think find your absolute like the absolute thing that you need to start your day off with and then plan your day immediately after that so your priorities are already taken care of and your like best version of yourself is ready for the day Mm -hmm. and then plan your day yeah that's cool do you have any mentors in your life whether they whether you know them in person or they're just online Hmm. mentors i think the depth of the word mentor for me is a bit of like an interesting topic just because i think if i'm following a style influencer on instagram yeah. I see that as my mentor because I want to reflect what he's doing. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't think a mentor has to be a super personable and very, you know, immediate connection. Yeah, like per- in person. Yeah. I agree. It's just like I very much admire what this person's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at them as a mentor, you know. Um so definitely like like Blake Scott, I think he I think him and his style is like immaculate what he does with his platform is amazing and that's something I want to reflect, you know. Um as far as an immediate mentor, my business partner, you know, mm. he's literally my age. He's still in college too, but he teaches me a lot. And I have learned a bunch from him that I'm going to take through my life also. So he's my mentor. Um, you know, my dad is still my mentor and not even a mentor for what I want to be, but it's a mentor for what I should still be, mm. you know, a very grounding presence. So I think me finding not only mentors in the fashion, you know, realm of what I want to do, but mentors in how to better my life, you know, like Blake Scott in fashion, my business partner for business, my dad for humility and, Mm. you know, courage. I don't know. My dad has taught me a bunch. He's probably my best mentor or he definitely is. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think I have like a formal, you know, mentor that I always hit up for business advice in the traditional sense that people look at a mentor you know what's the biggest lesson your dad has taught you hmm the biggest lesson my dad has taught me i think he just instilled this like extremely hard work ethic into me so Mm. his lesson was just like damn it i'm trying to think because he he's he's just he's just taught me so much i think the best lesson my dad has taught me you can name more than one yeah okay yeah i think i think so yeah i'll I'll give you a couple um one of the first ones that will always stick with me is just my dad always said like to find my voice and speak up you know because i was a quiet kid and you know i'm sure he trusts himself that he and my mom raised me very well so they want me to speak up they want me to share my opinions and the more i've done that the more people respect me you know like like with friend groups, with orgs, everywhere I go, like the more I speak up, as long as I'm in a position to, I feel more comfortable doing so. And he definitely, he definitely taught me that. More my mom too, for mm-hmm. that one. Um, the other one would just be like, literally work your ass off. Just in anything you do, go 100%. You know, that's why 
because I don't have a linear, you know, ascension to what I want to do in a career, anything I'm doing, I'm going to be the absolute best. Dude, if I was working at McDonald's, I'd be the best McDonald's employee in the nation. You know, I'm working <laughs> at Buck Mason right now as a stylist. Luckily, it's something I want to be doing. I'm going to be the best damn part-time stylist. You know, mm. I'm going to try to make the most sales. I'm kind of do all that. Just being the best at what you do will kind of give you this natural ladder to climb because of the work ethic and respect that you develop that way. Wow. Yeah. Those are some dope lessons. Last question. Let's say you could talk to all, all um, graduating high school seniors. What advice, piece of advice do you give them? Hmm. See, I think my position going into freshman year reflects pretty well on what I would tell a class of 500 or 5,000 high school graduates um, that time is on your side. You know, you don't necessarily have to find your niche immediately. Um, by putting yourself out there, that will give you the opportunity to find the people you want to be around and the people who want to do what you want to be doing. Um, and I think how you said, like spreading yourself out, that doesn't necessarily mean doing too much. It's just like put yourself in the position of fail in different positions or different, you know, organizations or whatever it might be. So you can find your niche, you find your people, you find what you want to do, and then you just grow within there, mm. you know? Um, and if you find hobbies on the side, like if you want to continue dancing, but you don't want to be a professional dancer, you know, do that. Enjoy it. That's literally all a part of the college experience. Just surround yourself with experiences, use your resources and to do both of those things. Just try to present the best part of yourself and trust that every day you're bringing your best self to the table. Mm. Dope, 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 dope. DJ, that was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. No, oh, man. Thanks I for really having me. That was a... That was a great conversation for sure. I, I think so too. And I think a lot of kids are going to be able to learn from you. A lot of people who are older as well. Um, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Or where can they find your stuff? Um, whether it's your company, yeah. whatever you want to put out there. Definitely. So um, I guess right now it's occupying most of my time. If you all want to catch me at um, Buck Mason, it's a menswear store on South Congress in Austin. I'm there a lot of the time. Uh, if you want to check out some of me and my business partner work on our apparel brand, it's called Salt, and that is S X L T, pronounced Salt. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, um, on our website we're doing shoes and apparel, and just in general, man. Um, on Instagram, styled by DJ, that is where you will find a very still, uh, genuine side of me that I hope you can resonate with. And yeah, that, that's I think that's it. Hell yeah, man. Thank you for coming on and everybody, thank you for listening. Hey there. If you enjoyed this episode, well, green light. New episodes of The Dose of Caesar come out every week. So make sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you feel that more people should listen to this podcast and share this episode with your tribe. If you want to connect with me or if you just want some extra doses of Cesar, of Caesar, of Cesarine Bingui, then you can sign up for my free weekly email newsletter called The Caesar Encyclopedia, where I share what I learn every week. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at the dose of Caesar. We'll see you next time.